Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Rob Longo, Tom Terrace, and Tom DeAngelis. Welcome one and all. Thanks, Thanks David. David. Thanks. Awesome, awesome. What an exciting gospel. If everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 51 through 58. But Rob, before we break open the bread of life, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit in to help us see what the Lord wants to speak to us today about? Absolutely. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Father Son, the Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, this moment, this moment right now, which uh, which, which you knew was going to happen from all eternity, that, that we would be here together in the studio, that everyone listening would be listening. So thank you for the gift of your love and the attention to detail that you have about each one of us in our lives and, and the opportunity to get to know you through your word. And most importantly, Lord, to get to know you in the beauty of the Mass. And as we break open the word today, the gospel that we will hear this Sunday at Mass, please, uh, Lord, help us to allow you in to our heart, into our lives, into our minds, into every aspect of our being. Uh, help us to overcome any any doubts, any any concerns that we might have, uh, any any disobedience that we're that we're stuck in. Lord, please help us to to just release, allow you to come in, and allow us to and help us to surrender all that to you, Lord. We we thank you and we praise you and we bless you this day and always. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome, awesome. Well, if you don't mind, Tom Terrace, do you mind giving us a little gospel love today? Absolutely. This is uh, from John chapter 6, verses 51 through 58. Jesus said to the Jewish crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, you Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Oh, my. I don't think the Lord was kidding around. I wrote down, he said what he meant, and he meant what he said. The Lord Jesus didn't mince words. This is not a parable. The Catholic Church has understood this from its beginning, from, the, from when you know the words were originally written down. 
that this was Jesus telling us he's going to give his flesh to us to eat, body, blood, soul, and divinity to consume, and he's going to give us that flesh. How? In the form of bread. And it says it right here because this is the sentence the Lord drew out to me that changed my life. Jesus is saying, I am, not a symbol of, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And here's the key. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. He's telling us he's going to give his flesh for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. His flesh was crucified for us. And so he's telling us that flesh is going to become the bread. That's what happens each and every time at every mass all over the world. When Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, for as often as you do this, you do this in, as in remembrance of me, we do it every day at every mass, everywhere in the world as Catholics to remember the price the Lord Jesus pray, paid to set us free. He gave us his very self. He sacrificed himself for us so that we may have life and have it in abundance. So this sentence jumped off the page and you know what? I'm all in. When I came to that understanding, truly not in my head, but in my heart, that Jesus Christ is offering his very self to us to consume so that we can then become more and more and more like him. We are what we eat. That it just changed my world. And as a Catholic, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for the gift of Holy Mother Church, for the teaching and understanding that has been around for 2,000 years of what Jesus meant by this. Thank you, Lord, for this daily gift. I try to go every day, and I receive the Word of God, which is what we just read, which is the living Word of God, which we break open and we consume, and then my heart burns for that truth that we consume. But see, there's another part to that. And that's the road to Emmaus. Because, yes, our hearts burn when we consume the Word of God. We, we, we taste that truth, but we yearn for more. And so Jesus says, I'm going to give you my very self. I'm going to give you me to consume. And that's the second part of the road to Emmaus. We're in the breaking of the bread. They recognize him. They saw and they recognized Jesus. That's the con consummation that occurs. That's what happens at every Catholic Mass, everywhere in the world, every day we're offered that living bread, come down from heaven, Jesus Christ. It's awesome. What a gift. What a gift. And just think in life, you know, all, everything we have is a gift from God that we're to use to help others. And uh, the Eucharist is Jesus's gift to us. And he said, I plan, I want to be with you always. And that's how he decided to be with us, that we can receive him, take him into our body, that you know, his blood and flesh and body, it can be coursing through our veins for 15, 20 minutes physically, right? He's always with us, but physically, and then you said we are what we eat. That's really only true with the Eucharist. Everything else becomes more of us. We become more of Jesus every time we consume him in the Eucharist. Uh, it, it's amazing. And if you look at all this, all the text in the gospel here, and there's only one time when the Jews replied, and it was with a question. And they didn't question Jesus and say, well, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to give us a, a Bible later. You're going to, you know, what's the church going to look like? You know, their question was, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Their question was very directly related to Jesus's words. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They didn't ask any other question. That was their question. And when he responded, he responded to that specific question about his flesh, about eating his flesh, not mincing words, not softening it, actually going in, 
even more deliberately because he knew he like not that he was just trying to close the deal. He knew that this was going to be what we needed for our journey home. He wants everybody saved. He want, he does God doesn't want to lose any kids. He wants us all home in heaven. And our Lord knows that eating his flesh and drinking his blood in the Eucharist is going to give us that best chance to stay connected to him. Right, and it, and it does point back to the Old Testament manna, which was given every day. And on a Saturday, you had to double, get a double portion because it wasn't given on a Sunday. You had to carry that over because we need to eat every day of our lives. We need to drink water every day of our lives. Well, that also is true spiritually. Jesus Christ gives us the food of angels, the bread of angels. He gives us his very self, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the form of bread. After the consecration, it becomes himself so that we can have the spiritual food to go out into the world every day. Imagine if you only ate physical food once a week. How would you feel come around Friday or Saturday? (laughs) Would you be hangry, a little bit angry and hungry? (laughs) I think so. You probably wouldn't be someone someone would want to be around. Well, you know what? If I don't go and get spiritual feeding, Every day through the word of God, the breaking open of the bread of life, which is what we're doing here, plus also for that great gift entrusted to the Holy Roman Catholic Church of the Eucharist, that truth that God God revealed to us through Jesus Christ right here in this passage. If I wasn't given that, I couldn't make it. So I, my heart yearns to go every day to meet my Lord, to consume my Lord in both word and in body, blood, soul, and divinity. That's the transformation that each and every one of us need to go through because when we wake up and we truly understand the truth and the reality of Jesus' presence in the Eucharist, we'll never want to miss it. Uh, you mentioned a couple of things there, Dave. How do I go out into the world unless I you know, consume the Word of God and then feed on Jesus' flesh? And then you mentioned the church, and I saw in this passage, at least for myself, like the Jewish crowds and the Jews who couldn't accept it. And I see them sort of as a as the world. The world can't accept Jesus. It can't accept the truth of the church. I see like the, the if Jesus found the church, he's like the founder of the, you know, the Christian faith, or he, he established the church on earth. Then the Jewish crowds can't accept that, just like today they can't accept the world can't accept the church and the teachings of Christ. But it's true because Jesus then says, I have life because of the Father, and whoever feeds on me will have life. So if he started the church, established the church, that's where the life is. And then when he mentions like the ancestors in the desert, to me that looks like a, it was like a prefigurement of the church. But back then they died when they ate the food. But now they live because of Jesus. So to me, it's like proof right there that he is the bread of life and the Eucharist is his flesh and blood, if, if any of that makes any sense. Yeah, it, it, does. it does. Well, I love the, the life of Jesus because, as you just pointed out, he's always pointing to the Father. And we need to realize that, that our journey with the Lord is our personal relationship with Jesus Christ is the beginning of an ever-deepening intimate relationship with him, which is what happens in the Eucharist, to receive him in a one-flesh union in a most beautiful, holy way is inconceivable. And then 
to learn about who we are to the Father. We're his beloved children. We're his beloved son, his beloved daughter, who he delights in. Jesus always points to the Father. The Father sent me. I have life because of the Father. But here's the key. When we feed on Jesus Christ, which is what we're doing today, breaking open the bread of life, and then feed on him in the Eucharist, we also have life from the Father. Everything we have is a gift from God. Everything. And as we say at Stewardship, that we're to use then to be a blessing to others with, to help others with. It's amazing. I'm, I'm thinking, too, about the, uh, you know, David, you mentioned how intense this passage is. And uh, if you read further in, in John here in chapter 6, it gets even more intense. And one of the things that occurred to me this time around, because we've reflected on this many times, is um, why at this point in chapter 6, when Jesus doesn't really introduce the bread and wine and the and the the suffering uh, until much later in his in his life, and then it occurred to me as I was reflecting on this that one of the reasons why he may have done that was because at this point in his ministry, he's really challenging people to begin believing in spite of the fact that they may not understand. So there's some people who say, "Listen, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? I don't get it. I'm leaving." And then he goes through the crowd. He talks to some of his disciples go away. Then he looks at the apostles and says, um, are you two going to leave? And Peter says, Lord, where, where will we go? It's almost like um, I want to see how the rest of the story turns out. You know, I, like I believe I don't understand right now. I mean, I, they couldn't have understood this because the explanation for it is probably a year or two down the road. So then you get to the Last Supper, and again, I think of Scott Hahn, how he so beautifully tied the Last Supper and the crucifixion together, crucifixion and death. And he says that the Last Supper, as, as a Passover sacrifice, doesn't make any sense without Good Friday. It's just a meal without Good Friday. And without, without um, the Last Supper, Good Friday is just a Roman execution because the Last Supper is what explains what he was doing. And, and then in hindsight, makes sense of this rather difficult language for a Jew to, and, and any of us really to, uh, to understand and grasp and say, ah, now I get it. And that whole last part of, of Jesus's life was really, you know, his, his suffering, his death and his resurrection was all a wake up call. I mean, the whole thing that you mentioned, the, the road to Emmaus and, you know, time after time he appears and it's, it's starting to hit people. What's going, what's going on here? Like they had no idea what was going on this early in his ministry. And yet his apostles stuck with him. And I think that's part of the, that's the biggest lesson that I'm taking away this time around on this is that this tough language is really a challenge to, I don't get it. It doesn't really make any sense. And it really doesn't at this point, if you think about all the other things that had to come that we know that make sense out of this. But Peter says, Lord, where will we go? You have the words of everlasting life. I believe you. I don't understand it. I don't get it yet, but I'll, you know, I'll follow you. I'll see how the story ends, you know? Well, that's so important. And that's why, and that's why Jesus Christ left us holy mother church, the pillar and foundation of truth, because we go to Holy Mother Church to say, help us understand what is the church's teaching in its biblical understanding of this message of Jesus. Because like you say, Jesus wasn't kidding around. The Jews quarreled and left. 
Disciples that had tra- followed him for years said, whew, this saying's too hard. They left and went back to their old, old ways. And only Peter and a handful of what we believe were the apostles stayed and had faith in what? Jesus's words. Jesus's words of eternal life that he just spoke. So for me, I thank God for Holy Mother Church because we were in a meeting, you know, earlier today where the one man said, well, this is what I believe it says. And the other man said, well, this is what I believe it says. And that's your choice, but you're not the authority. You don't have the authority to interpret scripture and say, this is truth. But the Bible tells us that there is one authority, one bulwark and pillar of foundation, which is Christ's church. That same church, which has been here for 2,000 years, which has protected sacred scripture, which actually put together through the popes and bishops in, in thing 397 and 405, the canon of the Bible that every Christian uses, including all 27 books of the, of the New Testament, So thank you, Lord, for the gift of Holy Mother Church that we can go to her and say, help us understand this matter of faith. Mm -hmm. Because you know what? It's a hard saying. But you know what? I'm going to trust you. And I love what Jesus says. And this is where we need to have humility. And we need to share with love this truth. The humility is this. When Peter replies to Jesus, you know, that you know, where are we to go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus says, It was not you who came to that understanding. It was the Father, once again, pointing to the Father, who opened your eyes to that truth. You see, our separated brothers and sisters who are blinded to this truth, we need to be humbly respectful that they are where they are in their journey with Jesus, in their journey home to heaven. And we pray for them that there will be an unveiling of the eyes of their hearts to this biblical truth and gift that Jesus Christ offers us every day. Because if their eyes are open and they come to realize this truth, we will unite and change the world. We will unite and fight the one common enemy. And to the extent that their eyes aren't opened, we still lock arms together as one body of Christ, with one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we fight the common enemy who is out for our souls, our children's souls, and that is Satan, the fallen one. So, ladies and gentlemen, you can share your heart with love and humility. Don't judge. Don't condemn. It's not what Jesus came to do. It's not what you're called to do. Pray for the opening of the eyes of their hearts but love them where they're at. Love them where they're at. And David, in that meeting that you were, you were just talking about, uh, I was sitting next to a woman who just this past Easter came into the Catholic Church. And she is just so full of, of love and joy. And uh, just I, I, I love being with her at Mass and, and watching her receive communion. And when, when the discussion turned to uh, this being a parable, she whispered to me, this is not a parable. This is not a parable. So here, someone who's you know, just coming into the Catholic Church sees the truth in this, and, and her eyes have been open, as, you know, as David said, you know, the, the Father gave her that gift, and, uh, and she just came in and, and is just so on fire for the Eucharist. And whenever we come to this, 
this part of, of scripture, I think of a guy by the name of Carl. Carl was a, uh, a man that we met at a nursing home and we used to do gospel reflections at a nursing home. And most nursing homes, you know, 85, 90 year old guys are, you know, few and far in between. It's mostly women, right? Cause the women, women outlive us. So, you know, for every 10 women there, there's probably one or two guys. And Carl was one of those guys and he would come to gospel reflection and was on fire for Jesus in the Eucharist. And we would have our reflection right outside of the chapel and he would share no matter where we were, no matter what scripture we were talking about, he would just point to the chapel and with tears streaming down his eyes, he would say, Jesus is alive in the Eucharist. I can receive my Lord every day that I'm here in this nursing home. This is amazing. And he would just start crying out of love for Jesus in the Eucharist. And you read stories of, of St. John Vianney. They said that almost every homily he would turn to the to the tabernacle and just point with tears in his eyes, Jesus is alive. Jesus is here. The Eucharist is real. So I think we need to get back to the basics. And, you know, we, we have all these programs and, and everything. It's the Eucharist, right? We have 20% of people that are showing up. 80% are, are choosing otherwise. And out of the 20% showing up, there's still maybe a majority that are – Aren't real now, sure. The last numbers I heard were seventy percent of people who go to weekly mass question the real presence, think it's symbolic. Yeah. So, so I think it's a lot of prayer. It's tough. It's very know, tough that, out that, there. That we just storm heaven, we pray, we fast for the grace to be accepted, uh, for the veil to be lifted. You know, just within our our own churches and, the, and just within our Catholic churches. And then once we treat our Lord in the Eucharist with the love and respect that He's due then our brothers and sisters are going to see that. All right? They're going to see us you know, changing our plans to go to church as opposed to dropping church because of our plans. They're going to see right. us going daily. They're going to see us going to adoration. They're going to see the joy and the peace and the love in our lives. And that's going to be the, the testimony. That's going to be the witness and hopefully the seed that is planted for, uh, for them to come home. And we're called to, as Jesus is the Word made flesh, we're called to enflesh this Word of God, what we're breaking open today as we consume it, and we consume the Eucharist, because we're called in our uniqueness to be Christ in the world. St. Paul says it's no longer I, in the letter to the Galatians, that live, it's Christ that lives in me. We're called to be that image and likeness of Christ in the world. We can't do it on our own. And we need to consume Scripture, not just read it in our head, consume it in our hearts. And then with the Eucharist, when you consume our Lord and you've prepared yourself to make that communion with our Lord by going to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, getting clean, getting ready, oh my goodness, you become that world changer. And then people that are evangelical Christians or not of any faith belief see you See that pure, unconditional love, not judgment, not condemnation, not self-righteousness, and all of a sudden they're drawn to you, they're attracted to you, and they say, you know what? I want what you have. And as Scripture tells us, and I think it's 2 Timothy, always be prepared to give a reason for your hope, to share with love and humility your belief in the Eucharist, in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, and how that has brought you into not just a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but an ever-deepening, intimate one with Him, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. When they see that happening in you, they're going to long for it. They're going to want it. 
You know, Rob, I th- I think I'm I think I know who it is you were talking about who recently came into the church, and from the perspective of a of a good you know cradle Catholic, it's inspirational to see somebody like that. It's even more inspirational because a few times I've actually given her communion mm-hmm. and given her the precious blood to see the response there really uh, opens your eyes. And you know, one of the things that that I've done over the years with. Um, if I ever get into a discussion about this topic with my you know, Protestant brothers and sisters, one of the things I ask them, because it's kind of obvious, you know, and I do it respectfully, but you, know, you, you of course believe, because of this relationship between the Last Supper and the, and the sacrifice of Jesus, you know, that, that he gave himself for us. And so why would we not believe that he gave himself for us in the Eucharist, you know, in the bread and, and, and the wine. And so one of the questions is, do you, you know, do you believe, you know, Jesus was God, right? You believe he was, he was, he was God. He raised people. From, he, he rose himself. He raised people from the dead. He did all these things. Well, yes, of course, I believe Jesus is God. You believe God is love. You believe Jesus died for us and he, and he loves us. If he could give us himself in the Eucharist the way that we believe as Catholics, why wouldn't he? Why would he just make it a symbol if he really loves us, that he, we, he could be with us intimately. He could come into us, into our physical body, and be part of our presence and help to transform us in a way that helps us to be, as you're saying, David, helps us to be Christ to other people. Why wouldn't he do that? And I've never gotten an answer. I hope I planted some, seed, some seeds with some people. But when you think about it that way, you kind of reverse engineer it and say, well, certainly God can do it. You know, Jesus can do it. And certainly he would want to do it because that's a more loving thing than just having a symbol of bread and wine and I receive it and then I, I call Jesus to mind. But we don't, that's not what we believe. We believe he's present to us. He's with us. That we can adore him in the blessed sacrament. That we can spend an hour with him. Yeah. That he can become part of who we are. It's a whole different it's a whole different thing. And, and uh, you know, one of our brothers at, at the Gospel Reflection said, let's not be afraid of true, you know, the true meaning of, of ecumenical. Uh, that starts with Jesus, and and for these past since December of '09, the brothers that, gra- that that gather are from all different denominations, and we started with prayer. We pray together, we break open the word together. Friendships have been developed, and then we can have these discussions where we can express this beautiful teaching in a way that you know isn't you know put off. We're not putting them down, but it's 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 true ecumenism where we're you know presenting. The, uh, the 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 teaching. So it's, uh, it's it's a great gift. Thank you, Lord. And let's not miss the last line. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus said what he meant. He meant what he said. This gift is of himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity, to have eternal life with him, in that eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God bless each and every one of you. Bye bye. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100. 
Stewardship a Mission of Faith is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.